That's what cooking's about. It's about spending time with it. I've, I've always seen both my parents spending a lot of time in the kitchen. And I think that's the way they express their love and gratitude and, and warmth is through food. That's the way they nourish and keep you alive. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Ask any hospitality professional, whether in the kitchen or on the floor, and they'll agree you have to be a little mad to work in the industry. Given the long hours and slim margins, many say you'd have to be even crazier to own a restaurant or cafe. With the viability of almost every restaurant in the country under pressure due to the pandemic, how crazy would you need to be to open a restaurant during the pandemic? Well, it's been happening. David Serekis originally came to fame with award-winning Greek restaurant Parama. He is now the chef-in-residence at new restaurant Homer on Homer in the Sydney suburb of Elwood. David, how mad are you? <laughs> you know what? It's a funny story because uh, I think the madness has set in. Uh, I actually had a stroke uh, one year ago, uh, July 21st, and... Um, and part of my right temporal lobe was uh, permanently damaged. So maybe that madness has set in uh, finally. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know anything else uh, other than uh, being in a kitchen. Um, you know, for two years I've done a bit of consulting work. And uh, one thing I missed dearly was uh, ki- uh, cooking in the kitchen in Sydney. You know, I mean, this is where I first started. And uh, there's a um, there's a uh, sort of an emotional uh, bond, spiritual bond to to cook in Sydney. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm you know, and especially during this time, uh, you know, it's a cha- I love a good challenge, and uh, I think this is what it is. Well, maybe you're actually a mad genius. Maybe it's the best thing to do in a pandemic. Um, can you tell us a bit about the project? You know, I mean. You were working on it before the pandemic and you sort of put it on hold a little bit and then launched it. But can you tell us a bit about the lead up to the pandemic with the with Homer on Homer? Yeah. So I bumped into uh, a childhood friend of mine, uh, Stacey uh, Yaprakis. He, um, his parents and my parents came from neighbouring village uh, villages in the north of Greece, uh, north, uh, northwest of uh, Thessaloniki. Um, a town called Gozani, and the two villages are renowned for their uh, saffron growing. Um, and uh, Stacy's town is named Krokos, which is the centre of saffron in uh, northern Greece. And my parents came out to Australia together. Uh, our parents came out to Australia together, and so wow. we've been friends since child, uh, since birth and childhood. And then I bumped into him on the street last year he's a local a cafe celebrity uh, he's had a few uh, uh bespoke uh cafes one called bespoke and grind and um and he told me his idea about a um a venue which uh, was a journey back to our uh, you know sort of our uh, our parents village roots and uh, that everything within um the venue was going to be pre-loved he's an antique collector and so, um, so I thought, well, you know, I wanted to make my transition back to Sydney. So this was around November, December, 
And then as, you know, January and February uh, came along, we were starting to um, speed up the, the opening. And um, so the whole concept is about simplicity. Um, I wanted to go back to that because I'd, um, I had done four different projects in the space of two years of varying uh, difficulty and a degree of uh, Greekness. <laughs> um, and it was uh, – I wanted to spend more time uh, with my daughters um, in retrospect of what happened last year uh, with the stroke um, and uh, but still be sort of aligned with cooking. And our philosophies um, – of you know going back to the basics um uh, matched and so um if you imagine this place is all about um low tech um it's all pre-loved there's even a uh, an 1800s um antique uh, louis the 14 or one of those uh louis um a dining set which uh, you can have the privilege of uh, sitting on wow. casually and, <laughs> and having uh, dinner. So, um, and then, and lo and behold, um, you know, we were hit with uh, COVID and, um, and that put a stop to uh, things moving forward and we were all locked down. Um, and... And then I think I lasted about six weeks and then I said, well, how about we uh, get the project moving along and, and taking little baby steps um, until, you know, the restrictions are lifted. Um, and so we decided to do takeout. Um, uh, people were calling me, asking me to do their Sunday lunches from home, which I did a few um, for Contra. <laughs> um and so we started the yeah the uh, the, the um, pre-ordering um, uh, pickup uh, 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 dinners and so and you know my my experiences over the last two years and sort of the um, having uh, consulted on ways to transition in COVID with some of my other projects. I thought um, uh, the best bet was to keep it as simple as possible, keep keep the uh, costs as uh, contained and um, under control as possible. Have control of what's uh, what's for sale, uh, who's what time they're picking up, what time you know all all of those things which can um, easily uh, uh, go out of control. Um, in, in a normal uh, restaurant business, um, that's what was the important thing is to control every aspect of costs and fix them so you know exactly what uh, the costs are going into the week and what revenue you can uh, achieve by the end of the week. So, uh, you know, you can pay the rent, pay the wages um, because we were, um, were a new business so there was no job keeper. Um, and so, uh, and uh, the landlord was a, a little bit rough. Um, so um, it was luckily, you know, the fit out was uh, a zero dollar fit out <laughs> <laughs> because, like I said, it's it's all antiques. You know, the kitchen is is basically a kitchen that you, you could think it, it did come out of a village um, or a, or a home kitchen. Wow. And so, you know, we had we had that. Um, luxury, if you would call it a luxury, 
of not having those expenses that you know a lot of uh, new startups um, are um, you know uh, 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 burdened with. You know, I, I my one restaurant, uh, Xanthi, um, which was in Westfields. So this is a, a total, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, either end of the spectrum. I ended up spending $1.2 million, um, you know, to get to the starting, the starting line. Wow. Whereas here, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's all about, um, heart and soul. Um, that's, that's the investment. And so that's where Stacey and I have, uh, sort of come together and worked together really well to, to invest in in that side of the the restaurant. How did you get customers? You know, most restaurants in this period have, have had to pivot to a takeaway model, and they already had a brand and a name and clientele that they could reach out to. Um, how did how did you start the the takeaway model and get some momentum? Given that it wasn't a brand that anyone knew. Yeah, it was it was basically um, you know just using you know sort of my momentum from uh, Instagram and Facebook, um, and just posting on Facebook pictures of the food that we were planning to do, um, uh, you, you, using non you know sort of uh, uh, pro- produced photographs, making it look as as homely as possible because I think that's what. That's what I felt was going to sell the product, you know, sort of bringing, bringing um, that warmth and uh, nourishment to their homes. And it, and it, um, you know, we started off, you know, maybe with thirty orders the first week. Then, you know, it slowly built to eighty orders, and then just just became a little bit out of control at at some stage. But you know, the, the beauty of it was we knew exactly what we needed to to um, uh, prepare. We knew exactly what hours uh, staff were needed to come in um, and there was no waste at the end of the, at the end of the week. And that was the, that was the important thing because, you know, we fixed our costs and we knew exactly um, uh, what was expected of us financially. And then at the end of the week, there was, um, uh, you know, that money to pay the bills and, 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 and get by um, with the least amount of pain, uh, because there was still a little bit of pain. You know, nothing's ever um, absolutely perfect, mm. but it, it 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 helped us get to this point now where we're at where we're at uh, dining in, and um, you know we're slowly sort of expanding our services whilst we're up, upgrading and updating uh, um, the floor space and with in in line with the restrictions and the guidelines um you know bestowed upon us by uh the state government you've had a pretty challenging time personally in the last year with the stroke that you had and um you had numerous consulting gigs that um you lost because of the pandemic you know how have how have you been through this period and what have you done? Yeah, well so I up until the stroke um I had four gigs and um, up until that time, from the time I left 1821, which was in two th- um, April 2018, I had uh, four gigs, and I had I had I had uh, uh, had done 137 flights nationally and internationally in that one and a half year period. Um, wow! Uh, yeah, 
um, of, um, well, actually one year period. And so um, it was, I was pushing myself um, um, uh, quite uh, hard. There were four different, completely different um, projects. One was in, in the USA. So I had to re, I had to reacquaint myself with a different style of cooking and um, adjusting recipes and adjusting to labor, uh, labor demands and, and, and the rules of labor and the, and the rules of a kitchen um, um, as per the US. Uh, then I had um, a new project up in Brisbane for the Greek Club. Um, uh, I had done. Um, I started a project uh, at Brisbane Airport, a completely different project, not um, associated with Greek. So you know, um, and then I was. Um, uh, uh, I had uh, worked with Zeus to sort of um, rejuvenate their menu and and their offerings to make it more, uh, you know, sort of. Uh, accessible and more uh, um, in tune with what their brand was uh, supposed to be about from when they first started. So I, I, I had a, a, a huge sort of broad spectrum of uh, jobs and requirements. And then when um, uh, um, uh, I had the stroke and then I, I had to um, go on a two to three month hiatus for that um, to recover myself uh, physically and mentally, um, and so I, just as I was working back into all those projects, um, COVID hit. So, um, and most of my work was about travel, and 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 as much as uh, a lot of the work was remote, done remote, you know, uh, make coming up with recipes and standards and um, uh, training uh, via video um, and email. Um, I like to be hands-on and and be inside the kitchens as well, side by side, um, because I think there's an element of personality that needs to be in a kitchen or a, or a physical restaurant space to to give it that um, personality of a, of the food or or the front of house uh, you know hosting style. So yeah, so that um, that just put a complete stop on you know all, all the projects. Um, you know I still um, do a remote work um, with Chicago and um, Brisbane. Um, and 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 then I thought, well, you know, it's a good time to slow down, spend a bit more time in Sydney. So, you know, um, it I kind of saw it as a blessing, in a way, that you know it was a a good way to start from scratch, and that's what it is. You know, we're starting. It feels like we're starting from scratch. It feels like it's my first, you know, being involved in uh, my first restaurant. You know. Um, and using the uh, simplicity of it, the beauty of simplicity. Um, uh, but I'd still like to keep a, a couple of the, the contracts going because, uh, you know, there's a, a vested interest in continuing the evolution of Greek food in um, um, in Brisbane and, um, and then in North America. Well, your role at Homer & Homer is chef-in-residence and – um, you, you're not the owner, but you've owned restaurants before and award-winning restaurants, you know. Um, do you think you'll do it again, like the stresses involved in owning, operating? 
Um, yeah, look, I discussed it with my daughters and I've, I've said to them once they finish high school, then uh, they're out on their own <laughs> in this big, big world. Um, I want to move down to the south coast or and uh, open up a, like a 20 or 30 seater, you know, and um, and do the things actually that I'm doing here. So, um, you know, uh, the whole menu is about um, – is based upon our our parents, you know, what budget they had um, going into the week and, and what was available to them, uh, you know, uh, th- through seasonal produce. And, um, you know, when the, the fishmonger came around once a, a, a month with what he had in the back of the, you know, the horse-driven cart or whatever was, um, you know, sort of transporting produce in uh, post-war northern Greece, um, and so uh, the whole menu is based upon um, uh, I buy uh, a budgeted amount of food, um, dry goods, fruit and veg, seafood, meat, and that's my whole menu for the week. And whatever I run out of, if I you know, purchase 10 kilos of lamb forequarter, if that runs out, then I've got to be become creative and use what, what else was in that purchase. Um, because you know, I'm you know going back to my parents who uh, and their families who were on the back of post-war uh, poverty, and they didn't have much. And we're kind of in a similar situation now, where you know, um, uh, you know, we've been um, we've been smashed financially from it, and there's we need to be a little bit more mindful about how we, you know, um, uh, produce, um, deliver food and and be sustainable in that. And, you know, because there's been a lot of wastage. I've always believed that food has now become a uh, – has become like uh, similar to the purchase of, you know, sort of Prada or Gucci bags, you know, or it's, it's all about a status symbol, you know. It's not about – nourishing and nurturing and so that's what we're going back to so the menu will change three to four times in in the space of four to five days um depending on what i run out and and what um uh, what i can creatively come up with what's left in the pantry um uh you know or for example you know if i've um if I, you know, run out of, uh, you know, last week, for example, I had a meatball dish on, you know, I've, I'm left with six meatballs. I can't really run it for the second day. So I've converted those six meatballs into a, a, a Greek-style risotto dish and expanded it to make it to make it uh, last even longer. And, again, that's using the, uh, the philosophies of our, you know, of our parents who – had to live like that during crisis, and so um, it's been really well received. What, what we're doing um, with sort of, you know, we're calling it the um, sort of the leftover, <laughs> the leftover uh, menus that continue, um, you know, sort of onto the next day, um, and then by the end of the week, the fridge, you know, the, the end of the four days, the fridges are completely empty. So we're not. Then we're starting fresh all over again the next week. A little earlier, you said you know that you wanted to get back in the kitchen and be a chef because you don't know anything else. But you kind of fell into the into your career, and you were 
coaching people to swim and water polo. Um, can you tell us the story of how you got into the industry? Yeah, so I pretty much was just bumming around since I left high school playing water polo as, as swimming and uh, working as a swimming coach down at Asheville Pool and and uh, going on little uh, jaunts um, here and there. And then my sister, um, uh, you know, everyone was saying, oh, why don't you, um, you know, just settle, you need to settle down a little bit, you know. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, um, having, you know, uh, 10 years of consecutive summers, you know, because, it, you know, it would be Northern Hemisphere summer or Southern Hemisphere, you know, sort of travel between the two. Um uh, I thought, oh, why not? Let's let's go into a new challenge. Um, and so my sister offered her share of Perima to me, and because she wanted to go back to teaching, and so I was thrown into the kitchen at Perima, um, and then Harry, who was the chef and the other partner with my sister, um, had moved to front of house, and so um, learning from both Harry. Uh, and his style of uh, he, he 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 sort of start, started to um, revolutionise a little bit of um, Greek cooking by sort of putting a little bit of finesse into it. Um, he, he started it at uh, Taverna Tostecki and then um, continued it at Parama. And then I had this thing where because I grew up. Um, you know, swimming, playing water polo. I didn't grow up in uh, in a real hardcore traditional Greek uh, uh, sort of uh, culturally environment um, style of upbringing. And so, you know, I was mostly at the beach or the pool, um, sort of, yeah, very sort of non-Greek sort of um, uh, circumstances. Um and then, but I always believed that there was more to Greek cooking than what we had at Tavernas and, you know, the Souvlaki and the Dolmades and Moussakas, the, just the, the day by day. I remember my mum would make, you know, rabbit and, uh, again, you know, my dad would grow things in the backyard and then they would make uh, dishes that I would never see in Tavernas, you know, fried calamari you know, rings in, in crumbs and they call it traditional Greek, you know. And, um, you know, I heard uh, you talking to Ibrahim about it. And so my whole thing was, okay, I needed to uh, clear my clear my whole uh, knowledge of Greek food. And so I started reading. Um, I needed to go back where it all began. And so, and, and so I started reading uh, Homer's The Iliad because I wanted to understand – what uh, Greeks were eating in ancient times, how they were eating, you know, what kind of foods they were eating, how they were cooking it. And, I'm, and I was convinced that, um, you know, a, a great literary work like that had some references to, you know, sort of uh, the way the Greeks were eating, you know, close to uh, 1000 BC. Mm. And so... And that's where I started. And then, and then it moved on to reading um, uh, works from Plato to, to uh, Aristotle to try and find um, uh, references, um, you know, and then, you know, it, it expanded to uh, Hippocrates, Galen, and uh, the first of uh, the, uh, you know, the, the father of uh, veganism, uh, Pythagoras. And all of these these guys had some works to do with uh, 
food and, um, you know, some of it was related to medicine and health and, and um, you know, uh, philosophical connections to food, how they make you think and feel. And, and, and then, of course, it moved down uh, the era to Alexander the Great and his, um, uh, you know, sort of conquering of the East and bringing new um, ingredients and introducing, you know, citrus and peppers and and rice and um, um, all all those ingredients, and then we had the the Byzantine uh, uh, era, um, uh, and then the the Ottoman occupation. You've got the Venetian, the Genoans, you've got the uh, the Crusaders. All of those have had a huge impact on the journey of Greek food from, you know, 1000 BC to this point, you know, um, and, um, and it is. It's a sum of, of where we are today, and, and that's what I've always tried to um, uh, sort of, uh, 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 you know, uh, project in my food is it's a journey through the ages. Um, because I think, uh, you know, uh, when our parents, um, sort of, um, came here, uh, to Australia, to the USA, Canada, they brought them o- brought over a, a little bubble with them and they kind of just got stuck in that little bubble. Whereas if you go back to Greece, they've progressed beyond where we have gone, you know, using, utilizing, um, and being being more free with sort of uh, um, ingredients beyond their own borders um, to evolve their cuisine. Um, yeah, but we kind of got stuck in this little bubble up until the 80s, and that was the thing that attracted me to Brisbane and Chicago because they were – when I went up to Brisbane, I kind of um, had to introduce – a menu that was more of um, 1990s Parama rather than 2019, uh, you know, 2008, my repertoire in 2018. So I had to sort of, you know, Chicago and Brisbane, I had to sort of slowly um, uh, sort of infuse, uh, slowly evolve it um, at, um, at at a rate that I had already evolved it here in Sydney. You know, a little earlier, you said something quite nice. You said there's, the projects that you're working on had varying degrees of Greekness, um, which your cuisine kind of does too, in a way. It's, it's, a, it's also a modern interpretation of things. Is there some sort of dishes that you still cook or that you've evolved that you go to whenever you do new projects and, and like to showcase? Um, I... Um I mean, the, the my all-time favourite is, of course, the lamb skardas because um, I one of the one of my all-time fondest memories and the, the first thing I ever learnt was um, um, how to um, uh, prepare a lamb from um, from uh, slaughter to to the table, and um, and and watching my dad, he was just so adept at the charcoals and I always wanted to have a lamb on the spit cooking every day but that was for Perima it was um um it was it wasn't um uh it wasn't feasible um and it was it was quite a uh, a, a labor intensive um uh, job and plus 
um, the price if if you know um, the cost of of doing that and and putting it on the on the on the plate was going to be far more expensive for that that area, you know, the inner west, and so it had to come up with um, a unique way of uh, of getting that um, that end result, but using a different technique. So you know, Harry came up with um, a um, a slow cook method, and then we just uh, I slowly adapted it um, to make it more smoky, um, to um, to do it longer and slower, to braise it longer and slower, so it it emulated a slow roasting uh, lamb on the spit, and then finishing it up on the charcoals to get that smoky charcoal um, crunchy exterior flavour. So that's one that I've I've always introduced everywhere, and it's it's always been a been a hit to every from every restaurant that I've been to: Parama, Xanthi, eighteen twenty one, Nostimore. Um, you know, introduced it to Chicago, and 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 now it's here. You know, it's just one of those long standing. And the funny thing is, you know, everyone thinks you know Greeks are, are great at lamb, and we eat lamb like it's coming out of our ears. But lamb's the least amount, the least uh, protein that we eat as a as a population. You know, we only eat it at um, you know sort of Easter or or religious holidays or special occasions. You know, it's a very special occasion dish. Um, but everybody wants Greek lamb. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's a dish that I've always, um, had and everyone always asks for the pork belly baklava, um, uh, because I think, you know, people think, is it, is it a dessert? Is it a savory? Oh, it's good. I can have both. I can have a dessert and savory before the desserts come, uh, you know, um, with the side of defibrillator as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I like going back uh, when I go visit my mum and dad, and and watching my mum cook. There, you know, there are things, there are subtle things that I've never picked up that she does to to get flavour into dishes, and um, and you know, I think that's what cooking's about. Is about spending time with it. Um, and I've, I've always seen both my parents spending a lot of time in the kitchen and, and it's not about, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, here's your dinner in 15 minutes. It's about, a, it's, it's about a whole day's uh, process, right? And, and I think that's the way they, they, um, express their love, um, and gratitude and, and warmth, is through food, you know. They think that that's that's the way they nourish and 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 keep you alive. So, you know, I think it's it's all about spending a day in the kitchen. I don't, you know, I you can't just come in at two o'clock, three o'clock, and 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 you know, turn on the ovens. You got to come in early and start early and and work with product, you know. And I come in and have a look. Oh, what can I do with this today? You know, and something that starts off with a different thought becomes a whole different dish by the end of the day. Um, it's, yeah. You mentioned a little earlier your work in North America. You know, how does a Greek chef from Sydney end up in Chicago? Oh, so um, when I was at 1821, um, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, an incredible man, Louis Alexakis, um, from Chicago. Um, he'd been following uh, me um, since the Parama days, um, he was quite uh, 
progressive for the Midwest. Now, Chicago, though it's a, a very uh, sort of cosmopolitan kind of city, they're still in the Midwest, so they have this um, – um, they still are stuck in their, you know, sort of uh, uh, American ways. You know, it's not like New York where New York is so contemporary and, uh, and advanced and mm. – you know there are there are the places like Alinea in Chicago, but they're very very few. Um, the majority of the people love you know their sort of Midwest style big plates, fill up the plate with you know as much as you can sort of style. And and Louis was doing um, some advanced stuff, but the the community they they they're they're set in their ways there, and so Louis said to me, started off saying, oh, Dave, um, I'd love you to come over and uh, do a, you know, a, a collaboration dinner with me at one of my venues. And he said, oh, I'm opening up a couple of other venues too, so, um, you know, maybe it's the start of something. And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And then he said, oh, you know what, why don't you just come and spend a month here and uh, we're going to open up the second venue closer to the city Um and uh, we'll take it from there. And so his first venue is in a suburb called Winnetka, which is um, sort of north. It's kind of like the Castle Hill of Chicago, uh, very affluent, one of the top ten affluent suburbs of all of uh, the U.S. And they, they're pretty much stuck in the way. So I went and um, worked with them for a little bit, the, the crew in there, an all-Mexican crew in the Greek restaurant, unbelievable. And they spoke better Greek than a lot of the Greeks here in uh, Sydney. Um, and, um, you know, the head chef is Nacho. He speak, he doesn't speak any English, but he speaks fluent Greek. Ah, unbelievable guy. So I worked together with the boys, introduced some more modern um, techniques, um, but we didn't go too far there because, you know, again, that, that community was sort of stuck in, in um, their ways and he had such a, 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 a strong – a solid brand. He didn't want to mess with it um, far too much. You know, the restaurant was um, renowned um, in uh, Chicago. But he said he's moving. He moved. Uh, his next site was going to be closer to the city. So that's where we started to um, um, work with uh, uh, a little bit of uh, progression and a little bit of uh, evolution um, in the cuisine. So I. I um, I had done one, uh, a second trip, um, and then a third trip where he opened up his third venue, which is in the in the in the city now, close to the city. And in that venue, we sort of uh, pushed it along even further, and it's now uh, the chefs there are now taking it uh, beyond the uh, the traditional Greek, and they're being uh, renowned for it. His um, his second restaurant, Avli in um, uh, Lincoln Park, which is a university, sort of a trendy, uh, sort of a Paddington, a cross between a Paddington and a, 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 a Sydney University uh, style um, neighbourhood. Um, uh, they uh, got uh, what was called uh, uh, the um, uh, Michelin Bib Gourmand, which is, uh, is it's, a, it's like a Michelin award, but for restaurants that give um, – uh, value, um, but really high quality food, and and uh, he was the first ever Greek restaurant to ever receive one of those uh, reward uh, awards. 
So, and then we're back, uh, back again. I mean, he, um, back again, uh, we were supposed to be back in May. Uh, we were going to do a book launch with Nino Pendolino, uh, Nino Zakali, sorry, from Pendolino. We we're going to do his book launch to the American uh, public, uh, of, uh, the Venetian Republic because it fit the, it, you know, it fit the brief. Um, uh, during the the uh, the huge National Restaurant Association show, um, and unfortunately uh, this hit, and so we're going to have to uh, put that um, on to another day now. Um, so yeah, and uh, we were scheduled to be here at this time, and I guess you know the way things work, um, it is what it is, and you know we sort of change our paths and and uh, you know can. Um, don't, uh, you know, sort of uh, stay down, just keep, um, you know, getting up, bursting through that wall and, and doing, you know, what you can through, you know, times that are just unusual, I guess, you know. I mean, you know, I I just think, you know, I, I kept on asking stories about post-war with my parents and I just think, you know, I think, I think you know, not to um, compare it to either, but you know, I think you know uh, we've it's it's pretty easy going to what you know what what was suffered you know post um, you know both wars I guess, and I think we've we've come out of it pretty solid. Um, I, I'd like to feel that you know we've come out of it pretty solid. We've kind of. Australia's been uh, magnificent, you know. I guess our isolation um, as a nation, uh, where we are, has made it easy for us. And we are quite, you know, we'd like to think that we're, you know, as Western civilization, Western countries, are we're quite um, enlightened um, compared to what we see what's happening in the USA at the moment. You know, I mean, we've got our issues we need to sort out as well um, and move forward. Um, to become better people, um, yeah. But you know, my focus here is um, to do it through cooking at Homer and Homer. Do you think restaurants will be a bit different moving forward because of these circumstances? You know what? At first, um, Anthony, I was thinking. You know, we all had to do different things and um, uh, you know change the way we do things. We we may have to. Um, you know, sort of think about it a little bit more. But I'd like to think that this is a time for when we need to um, work with the public for them to appreciate um, restaurants a lot more and what we go through and the pain um, and and how hard it is. You know, you in your introduction, you talk about the, the low margins. Those low margins are there because, you know, we, we – we sort of um, compete with each other for for a cheaper product. But what we should be doing is we should be educating the people to understand that they need to pay a little bit more for for what we do in 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 in, in the kitchen. They need to appreciate that. They need to um, you know embrace that um, because you know what in the last two months. They've been without it for so long, and and now they're getting all you know. Everyone's getting sort of like, uh, you know, uh, chasing the dragon, so to speak. 
Um, but they've, they've, for, for us to survive, they need to, you know, the public needs to needs to appreciate um, the appropriate costings of, of of what we put on a plate and 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 how we serve it. You know. So you did the extraordinary thing of opening a restaurant during a pandemic. Um, and the restrictions are easing now and more people are going to be coming in. What can people expect from Homer on Homer? Um, yeah, look, I don't think um, um, what to expect is um, is actually leave any expectations at the door because this is a, a totally unique space. It, it's, um, you know, pre-loved and pre-used um, um, fittings and furnishings and and the whole idea of it is just an extension of uh, Stacy and mine, our our homes, our hearts, our our, our growing up. Um, menu is like um, it's it is a, a continuing journey of 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 the menus that I've done in the past, but really simplified as well. Um, taking a lot of the uh, you know sort of uh, a lot a lot more of my modernness out of it. Um, I still like to tinker with that part of it, but I'd like to keep it as rustic and and as simple and as homely as possible. Um, we'd like to use get the community involved, yeah, like community gardens, like the the, the dads, um, the the grandfathers who have uh, backyard gardens, and then their their wives who cook, you know, one pot wonders. Um, we'd like to get the, the, them involved. There'll be music. There'll be, you know, uh, storytelling. Um, t- yeah, look, it's we're just we're, we're just going with the flow. And like um, the last four months have been a a, a sort of a week to week sort of uh, um, journey for everybody. You know, things are changing on a week to week basis. Um, you know, this is just going to be in a, this whole space is just going to be an evolution. Uh, uh, like uh, Homer's The Iliad, where Odysseus is making the 10 year journey back back to home. This is kind of like that journey. It's going to be a 10 year journey of, of finding who we are here at Homer on Homer. And we're going to do it through food and um, through wine, through uh, Stacey's uh, hosting and. Um, uh, and, you know, sort of generosity of spirit. Well, David, that sounds bloody amazing, and I can't wait to eat there. Um, thanks for uh, today. You're a bloody legend, uh, incredible storyteller, and um, keep in touch, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, mate. I mean, look, every, all I can say to everybody is, you know what, still, still, you know, put heart and soul into it. Don't, don't give up. You know, if you really believe in 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 hospitality, the food game, you got to stick to it. I know it's tough. It's uh, but you know you got to dig deep, and um, we're going to come out of it uh, stronger than ever. Amazing. Thanks, mate. Keep in touch. Thanks. Thanks, Huck. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.